Well, hello and welcome back, guys, to another episode. It is currently uh, the end of July at this moment, and I'm trying to record this episode ahead of time. And uh, things have been weird. Uh, probably not as much weird. Uh, work's been going good. Life's been okay. Uh, here in America, things are going crazy again downhill. So, average, I suppose. And uh, today we have a rather interesting topic. It is a topic that um, I actually came across via a show that I used to watch, and we are going to be talking about that towards the end of the episode. And it is also a topic that I haven't seen too many other uh, podcasts or like paranormal themed stuff really cover, uh, at least in, not in like passing maybe. But uh, I haven't really seen it that often, and it's something that I thought was sort of interesting, and it's definitely a region in which we haven't really been able to really discuss, if at all, so far on the podcast. And uh, I figured we'd just get into it, because it's going to be a, it's a little bit of a quickie, um, but again, it's, it's something that was sort of neat, and it's a little different, but it has a lot of like old similarities to some more supernatural stuff that you may have uh, been aware of. So, based off of the title that I'm sure you guys have already read and clicked on, today we are talking about the supernatural entity known as Aisha Kandisha. And uh, this particular entity has its origins rooted in northern Moroccan uh, folklore, which, if you are not aware of uh, where that is, that is in the northern section of Africa. And it is often associated with a sort of pseudo-umbrella term of the jinn. And if you're not familiar with the jinn, uh, this is a sort of natural spirit-type entity. It's sort of hard to describe because, it, again, it's like an umbrella term. Uh, however, it is found throughout Islamic and Arabic practices. These particular entities are not necessarily uh, good or bad, like pure description of it they kind of toe the line all over the place they could be good they could be bad they could be neutral it's just sort of up to them uh, however it is agreed upon that within especially the uh islamic beliefs uh that it, they are not as powerful as say other religious entities such as angels or devils that may be found within like more name brand stuff um the jinn is very much seen as more of like a natural thing. Uh, however, they are very powerful in their own right. Aisha Kandisha, however, uh, and if you are looking this up online, there are several ways of spelling the name. Um, and, and my notes interchange that. Um, but Aisha is typically depicted as a beautiful young woman whose looks can easily charm any man. And uh, this is sort of contrasted with her other common description of her having the legs of a hooved animal, in particular a goat, however more common than not uh, having the legs of a camel. The overall description of her tends to vary from region to region and by whom this sort of story is coming from. Again, this is originating from uh, Morocco, however it's sort of spread throughout and uh, even within Morocco, depending on where you are, you're going to have some varying accounts of the particular creature. 
that's not to say that the overall story isn't relatively the same it's just more or less minor details here and there uh, again some people thinking goat legs some people saying camels and then more stuff that we are going to get into so nearly all accounts however of Aisha Kandisha identify her home as being near some sort of body of water uh, and I'm going to pronounce some names that are probably going to be wrong so bear with me uh, in Tangar, this is thought to be the sea in which she originates from. In uh, Tatan, this is the Martal River. And in Fez, this is the drainage canal, <laughs> which is sort of a downgrade. And among the uh, Beni Asin is the uh, Sabu River. So... It's sort of, again, it varies depending on the region. In a lot of cases, it sort of has some familiarity with, you know, like the La Llorona legend in which she sort of stalks the riversides. It's very similar to uh, Sirens, which we're going to talk about in a sec, too. It's, it's, it has a lot of very similar tastes to other supernatural stories. Now, there is also a general sort of agreed upon situation when it comes to her that she primarily preys upon young men who again she entices with her beauty but she also is known to incorporate shape-shifting and acting into her sort of scheme as posing as these men's wives and then luring them away it's also said that she uses her seductive uh, prowess in order to latch onto local men in order to possess them and ultimately kill them somewhat similar again to stories of the sirens who would lure away sailors and you know people who happen to wander into the sea with their calls ultimately more often than not to their death now more localized beliefs with aisha kandisha have her being afraid of steel uh, particularly knives and or needles so it is often suggested that you were to bring along a steel dagger if you find yourself venturing into the desert, which truthfully I would suggest you probably would do. It seems like a decent tool to have in that given environment, so good. <laughs> it's just another thing to ward off. Um, and in some accounts, she is actually married in a way. Uh, she technically may have a husband, and uh, this sort of associate is known as uh, Homu. Uh, I'm pronouncing this wrong again. Uh, Hamu Kwe. Uh, I, that most likely am I am butchering her that, so I apologize for <laughs> that in advance. Practice Aisha, but not practice the husband. To be fair, the husband doesn't pop up very often. Uh, so when it comes to the origins, because again, I did mention that they are. Uh, for the most part, deriving from the Moroccan region. Um, but there are some theories as to why or how it originally got there, because it sort of just popped up. So we're going to be talking about a guy named Edward Westermark, who is a Swedish philosopher and sociologist who claims that the Aisha Kandisha name actually derives directly from Eastern origins, which take with some grain of salt because i this isn't fully confirmed in any sense again this is just sort of him claiming a theory so he associates this as identifying her with the temple of uh katesh within the ancient uh within the ancient canaanite religion which um 
actually refers to a group of ancient sort of Semitic religions. It's sort of, again, another umbrella term uh, in which the Canaanites sort of are a bunch of groups combined into a mega group in a way. And uh, if you're not familiar with where this particular region is from, um, again, Morocco is sort of like the northeastern coast of Africa. But uh, the Canaanites, or at least the ancient Canaanites, uh, they originated in a region which is now considered modern-day Israel, Palestine, Lebanon, Jordan, and up into Syria. So that sort of eastern edge of the Mediterranean into the Middle East. So Western Mark hypothesizes that her legend derived from the cult which actually associates itself with the fertility goddess uh, Astard, (laughs) suggesting that the Phoenician colonies in northern Africa were actually first introduced to the concept of this particular entity that became known as Candisha through this interchange and trade and practice and all that sort of stuff and then just sort of folded her into the islamic traditions that they have in their homeland and sort of repurposed her for their uh because they're a coastal country they're sort of aquatic and then uh inland uh regions and sort of uh, appropriating her into their belief system which is rather common when it comes to ancient beliefs particularly in regions in which there's a lot of trade going on so the mediterranean if you know like basic basic high school stuff obviously the romans took a massive uh amount of information and uh influence from the greeks and the greeks from the mesopotamians and like it just goes on and on of just people changing stories uh as they hear them and it's believed that aisha candisha is actually one such possible story she's not a goddess per se but the idea of some of what the goddesses were doing and i guess the stories associated with them sort of got lumped into becoming this aisha figure so aisha is again sort of a local urban legend she is uh referenced in a number of moroccan cultural works including books films and songs and this is a, put, sort of put her in the pop culture sort of center in a way. Uh, at the very least, she's like a cultural staple within the region, uh, particularly being like a, at the very least, like a common legend that people just know of, uh, sort of like how people know Bigfoot nowadays. Uh, we just know him, like whether you believe in him or not, you just know of him. And then, uh, to wrap this up, because truthfully, there's not a whole lot to talk about. There are stories, there are different accounts, but for the most part, it is very straightforward to what Aisha is and what she might possibly be. Uh, again, a lot of the stories are very similar to other creatures that, again, are very common knowledge, but Aisha put, sort of puts a spin on it by having uh, different figures and being in a different region. But something uh, that I want to talk about, which actually sparked my interest in this, particularly because I rewatched it about a year ago, uh, is the association with a sort of paranormal supernatural show known as Destination Truth, which, if you were not aware of, aired on the Sci-Fi Channel and I believe was created by Josh Gates, but he was the main investigator there. Uh, but it was a sort of a collection of people that would get together 
and visit a haunted location or a particular legend spot and hunt for the creature, look for evidence, or just try to just prove it in some way or another, uh, and just have fun, I guess, on the way there. But uh, it is a show, it is for television, so please understand that there possibly will be some leniency when it comes to what might be said on said show. Um, but The Legend of Aisha did pop up in the Season 4 episode of Destination Truth. It was titled The Haunted Island Ruins and Moroccan Succubus, in which the second half of the episode, the crew investigated reports of recent sightings that the creature uh, was popping up in the Moroccan desert. So, with that, with that sort of new wave of sightings that people were having, uh, they sprung into action and decided, hey, let's go check it out. So I'm going to give a quick episode rundown and sort of the information that they had from that, because again, most people don't seem to cover this, and there aren't other shows or investigations really into this particular creature, so I thought it'd be uh, interesting to talk about. So within this episode, the Aisha legend more or less resides in the desert itself. Again, we mentioned that most of the time the stories are associated with a body of water, However, in this particular episode, it's the opposite. She's not near water itself. Um, she's mainly in the desert. And with their research, pointing out, uh, again, that Aisha is very uh, appealing to men and is able to lure them off. However, in their particular spin and with the local stories that are associated with her uh, within the news that was going out at that time, uh, these men were being lured out into the desert only to vanish. Like, they would just disappear and no one would hear from them. So, very, like, missing 411 type stuff. Uh, she is described in the episode as being very tall, with hooved goat-like legs, uh, as well as leathery bat-like wings, along with being equipped with long, sharp nails. Although, she, uh, despite all these animal features, she is very clearly a female uh, figure on the upper torso, hence her magnificent beauty. And she is reported as being so overly gorgeous that upon first look, men are just uh, instantly just drawn towards her. Uh, in particular, they mention that she has piercing black eyes and long flowing hair that they can notice from a distance. Now, from this episode, they also interview some local individuals. Uh, in particular, they do sometimes uh, interview experts on the t particular topic or local professors who may know of the legends themselves, as well as just people who had sightings. Now, they, at least in the preface of the episode, they believe that Aisha is some sort of physical creature uh, because the question was prefaced, do you believe this is some sort of spirit or some sort of physical thing? And uh, they respond by saying that we do believe that this is some sort of female, that there is some sort of female creature out there doing this. Uh, and I believe that this is sort of associated with the idea that this legend is so embedded into the zeitgeist over there that it's sort of the same as being like very religious and being... Um, so devout in believing that something is real that it has to be uh like therefore it is i don't know if everyone there particularly thinks like yes this is a physical entity but uh it is interesting to know at the very least i just thought it was something that i should jot down 
So locals report also uh, that the sound of chains being dragged is something that you could hear, as well as if you hear the sounds of uh, camel footsteps during the night, that she is actually on the prow nearby. Uh, These were things that I did not spot in my own research uh, when it comes to different sources uh, that I came across. None of them reported the chains being dragged. Uh, I find that interesting since... Apparently, she doesn't like steel and metal, so I find it weird that she would have chains associated with her. Whatever. <laughs> and then, the crew ended up being told that Aisha, at least in these current sightings, was known to be in the Atlas Mountain range. Uh, and particularly, the locals recommended that they should check out abandoned structures and temples, particularly abandoned Kasbahs, as she uses them as a sort of base of operation. So, with all that information being presented, uh, the crew sort of gathers up and they do uh, overnight investigation of wherever place they're at. So, with this particular one, they take off to the Atlas Mountain Range and they stay overnight. They end up finding a few Casbahs by uh, using a hot air balloon to locate them and then choosing a few to check out during the investigation itself. Now, they did hear a few strange noises when it comes to their uh, audio equipment. They are able to pick up more distinct sounds. A few of them were animals. Uh, However, they were not able to discern what type of animal, and they concluded ultimately that it was just too vague to really associate with some mysterious creature. They did also uh, hear the sound of metal, whether or not it's being dragged or hit or whatever. They did hear it out in the desert. Um, however, again, they, they, they're they like, we can't confidently say that this is some mythical creature out in the, in the uh, desert doing this. Uh, it could easily, you know, just be someone moving through. Uh, there are, I guess, traveling caravans out there. I don't know, particularly with the Atlas Mountain Range. Um, but they concluded that there are alter, uh, alternate theories as to what this could be, and they, they just didn't feel confident in saying that this is, in fact, uh, Aisha. And lastly, they did find some physical evidence while exploring a few of the local casbahs that they located, uh, primarily this being a tooth and a bone fragment that they were able to put into evidence bags and bring back with them to L.A., Uh, which is where they're, I guess, located. Uh, And within the show, they always bring evidence back to a few individuals that they know of that are in the field or uh, are experts in that particular topic that they need to get some info on. So in this case, when they have any sort of animal uh, remains or footprints or whatever it is, uh, they bring it to the L.A. uh, Museum of Natural History. And with this, they concluded that the tooth, uh, the tooth was clearly mammalian. Um, however, it was most likely from a cow, which if you sort of know the description of Aisha, she does have animal features. However, her upper half is always uh, female and human-like. Uh, there's almost no stories in which she has like animal teeth and an animal face and like... It's very human-like, um, so this sort of just doesn't really line up. However, the second piece of evidence was, again, the bone fragment, which was rather quickly identified as being the lower part of a leg bone of an animal, which they provided a sample bone for, and it was like almost a perfect match, and uh, that was from a cow. And 
obviously this is likely from a cow, but uh, the idea that Aisha Candisha's lower half is the uh, hind legs or upper legs or whatever of a animal very similar to that. Um, more more often than not, the stories have her as being a goat lower half, like a satyr, but camels are also associated in there, uh, goats, horses, cows, anything that's sort of like bovine or weird in that sense, uh, she sort of is associated with with her description. And uh, obviously this isn't saying, oh my God, they found proof, but it's just, they're like, hey, you know, if it is, this could be her, who knows? Uh, But it was just like a joking thing to end the episode. Um, But I thought it was interesting that they actually did find something, at least in uh, in the very least, associated with her. Uh, in the fact that they found a bone, uh, obviously, you know, again, TV, this could have easily just been something they placed or whatever for views. I don't know. I'd like to think maybe not. Um, it is a random hidden temple in the middle of the the desert. So who knows? But yeah, so that's the story of Aisha Kandisha. Uh, <laughs> I know it's a short one. I apologize, but it it's not a deep topic, really. Um, there is a lot of history to it. However, a lot of that history is more so for the region itself and the religion and how the stories sort of melded together into what they are now. And that's just not really, unless I do like a deep dive episode, I don't think that really fits into like a creature of the week type episode like this. So maybe I'll save it for something else. Maybe I won't. Who knows? Um, but I do thank you guys for uh, listening through to this because I do have a quick little message that I want to say. Moving forward, recording again obviously is weird for me due to my schedule. Um, I am now working full time, at least for the current moment, and I am enjoying it a lot, actually. And I want to make this podcast more of something that I do on the side because... I don't know. It's something that I I very much enjoy. It's something that helps me have a little focus and structure on like the weekends or after work, something to do, especially now during uh, quarantine and COVID and all this stuff. And uh, I'm trying um, to possibly get some guests onto the podcast. I'm not sure how, I'm not sure who particularly. I've reached out to a few friends um, and sort of chatted back and forth about, you know, sort of weaning them into this, warming them up a bit. Uh, how we're going to record, I'm not sure. Uh, I do, if you guys are familiar with episode 13, uh, in which I talked about the Amityville house with one of my friends who lives up in that region a few blocks away. Uh, we did that over Skype. Quality wasn't the best. However, I was recording in college. It was rough, but I'll figure out a way to make it a bit more better. Uh, moving forwards with these new recordings. I don't know how, uh, we're, again, we're going to record, how we're going to sort of schedule this out with everyone being home and crazy, constant, fluctuating schedules. But we'll see. We'll make it work. We'll make it work somehow. And uh, I, I just want to give that announcement because I do want to push this a bit more. I'm not sure how uh, particularly I'm going to do it, but I enjoy doing this so much um, that I want to make it something, at the very least, just be a hobby that I can fall back on when I need to a bit more um, and just have fun with it. So I hope you guys are enjoying and I do appreciate you guys watching and uh, listening this far in. And uh, I thank you for that. So I'm going to wrap this up because I'm rambling 
and it's very hot where I'm recording right now. So I shall see you guys next week. Likely I might be recording the same time, so no real updates or anything for that. Uh, but if you guys do have any stories or things you want me to check out, please feel free to email me at realmofunknown at gmail.com. Or you can check out the Twitter, which I am primarily on, uh, which is just Realm of Unknown. And just, you know, hit me up, send me a message. The DMs are always open there, uh, so don't be weird. Just send <laughs> um, But if you have any topics or anything or feedback, just let me know. I, I love to look over it, and I always love looking into new topics and stories that I may not have heard of. Uh, but until then, I hope you guys enjoyed, and I hope to see you next week. And remember to stay spooky. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE.